It is good to see everybody. I am so thankful that you are here, that we are able to gather again. Uh, this is a long time in coming. And though we still have a camera, uh, I won't be looking at it as much. I'll be looking at you. So I, uh, I have two mics today uh, because of that. And I uh, won't be wearing a mask up here. And if you say anything to me, I may not hear you because I took my hearing aids out. Um, because between glasses and hearing aids and masks and mics, you can only hang so much stuff on your ears. So uh, there we are. I do have a few announcements for you. Uh, we've had a lot of emails uh, go out. Uh, we've been trying to keep everybody informed. And so those community groups that are still meeting, and they're all on a different schedule. Uh, so uh, you'll need to check with your community group, make sure you know when they're uh, meeting, but we have that schedule going uh, through July. Our adult and teen Sunday school classes are still meeting, although we started earlier at 9 o'clock, and um, we'll give you time to actually get here. And so we had our first one of those uh, today. Uh, we are hoping to start up regular Sunday school in about a month from now, and we're gonna need some teachers for that. So Courtney, raise your hand. I know you can't recognize her under the mask, um, but if you're uh, available and willing to teach, she would love to talk to you. God loves you, and Courtney has a wonderful plan for your life. Uh, we do have a church picnic scheduled. It was originally supposed to be Memorial Day, and we obviously couldn't do that, so now it's gonna be 
the day after Independence Day. It'll be Sunday, July 5th um, at Fox Ridge Park. And we're looking forward to that. And hopefully, you know, the precautions will slowly be getting uh, eased up. Speaking of precautions, let me go over uh, some of these with you. I had a pointer here, but it seems to have walked away. Um, ah. So most of this you've already uh, gotten. Um, we have separate entry and exit doors. So everybody's coming in that door back there. And so if you try to go out that door, you'll see a do not exit sign taped at the top. Uh, we're exiting that door. Uh, you need to use the restroom or to go out. And at the end of the service, we're going to dismiss uh, by sections. I'll go over that in a minute because we'll also use that exit. Now, by both exits are wooden boxes with a nice little sign that says, please put your offering here. We won't be taking an offering. We're not passing plates. So if you've brought your offering, it can go in one of those two boxes when you leave today. And so we would appreciate that. Um, okay. Uh, there's hand sanitizer when you came in. There was masks available. There was wipes if you need them. Um, we're trying to follow all the rules as best we can. Uh, you'll notice that the uh, everything is sectioned off in here. It's every other row trying to keep that social distance to sit with uh, family or almost family uh, as the case may be. And uh, again, we'd appreciate that. We have no intention of being the uh, COVID police uh, for this. So we're just asking you to follow the rules, but I'm not going to go around and scold anybody if you forget and go in the wrong door or something like that. Um, one of the advantages of being able to come back to Harper Park is we don't have to have a cleaning team. Uh, the uh, school system uh, is providing their own cleaning team so they can use all the approved uh, cleaning um, stuff. Uh, and um, so that's good. So there's two custodians here today. And once we leave, they're going to take care of all the cleaning. Um, there's no handouts. There's no bulletins. So everything will be projected uh, on the screen. There's, uh, sadly, for some of you, there's no coffee table uh, out front. So you'll have to take care of that on your own before you get here. And um, so let me uh, go on to the next uh, slide. So this is our exit plan. And uh, so those of you in the back uh, over there are in this section here. And at the end of the service, we're going to dismiss the ones here and here. This group will go out the side door, which leads right outside. And this group will go out the back door and then down the hallway. And that's designed so that we don't have people crossing each other uh, that way. So sort of keep the traffic flow. It's all one way in theory. And so then we'll do the two, uh, two sections, then the threes, and then the fours. The middle is divided. So these are now two sections also so we don't have anybody too close to the camera. Um, and, uh, and if you want your singing to be picked up on the video, then you need to sit like right there. Um, 
Otherwise, we've got it spread out. Uh, so hopefully that works. So that's the plan. We'll see how it goes. I think I have one more. Nope. Okay. So just ask that you follow the rules and uh, thank you uh, for that. So let's go to our call to worship and begin worshiping our Lord. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 97. Before we get there, uh, it really is the subject of the sermon today, is a call to worship. What does God call us to? What are we doing? Why do we walk through those doors even on this sort of circumstance? God's calling us to something special. And he's calling us to something special that we can do better together and some things that we can only do together. So with that said, this morning we're in Psalm 97. <clears throat> so let's call ourselves to worship. We'll do this responsively. Haven't had the opportunity to do anything responsively for a while. So Psalm 97, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. All worshipers of images are put to shame who make their boast in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. O oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, O oh, you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we can gather again, and we thank you for the great privilege that we have to worship you as a church body. But Lord, we know there are a number of folks at home that are still be watching uh, online, and we pray for them. We want them to feel a part of this, and so we pray that by your Spirit you would make that uh, happen. We don't want them to feel left out. So Lord, we pray that you would be with us during this time, that we would hear from you, that we would focus on you with all the concerns in the world around us. Make this a time of being with you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you please stand and continue to join us in Love endures forever, born in his grace. 
There we go. Okay. I had no idea how much I would enjoy congregational singing. That was awesome. We have about half of what we normally have, uh, but that was great. There were several times I just stopped singing myself just to listen. It's just because it's a sound that we haven't heard for a while. Well, one of the things that uh, we've been doing is uh, having prayers, and I want to keep the prayer time in person the same as the prayer time online. So we have a, sort of the same service. So the, uh, we have a responsive uh, prayer. Uh, this was actually written by Kevin DeYoung, who's a pastor in North Carolina. And so I'm going to go ahead and read the prayer part, so I'm going to ask you to respond with Lord have mercy. Uh, when we get to that part. So let us uh, go to the Lord in prayer and uh, just ask him for mercy. It's one of the great things that we need right now. So join me in prayer. O oh, great God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who created all things, the God above all gods, the God who was and is and is to come, the God who never changes, the God who never slumbers nor sleeps, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon us. We are in the midst of a great pandemic. More than 100,000 people have lost their lives in this country alone. We hear of new cases, new hospitalizations, new deaths at each day. Lord, have mercy. In the last three months, over 40 million Americans have entered the ranks of the unemployed. Many who still have a job are scared, others are anxious, others are depressed. Lord, have mercy. As Christians, we have grieved to be separated from the people we love and care for. We've been forced to give up meeting together for a time. So much about ministry seems harder, more uncertain, less fulfilling. We don't fully know when normal will really return or what it will look like or what to do in the meantime. Lord, have mercy. As states reopen, some cities and neighborhoods, even some families and churches are sniping at each other over masks or no masks, reopen quickly or reopen slowly. COVID is worse than you think, or this has been a massive overreaction. Lord, have mercy. We pray for our political, religious, and civic leaders. May they be humble, honest, measured, principled, open to good ideas wherever they come from, self-sacrificing, disciplined, courageous, and compassionate. Where we have such leaders, may we listen to them and follow them. 
where our leaders do not exhibit these qualities, help them to change and repent. We seek the peace of our community and all the cities of this great country. Lord, have mercy. And let's go before the Lord now in confession of sin. Let's say this together. Almighty God, to know you is the fulfillment of our deepest longings and the satisfaction of our most ardent desires. Yet foolishly, we have sought our pleasures elsewhere. We have put the seeking of idols, which are bound to leave us feeling empty, above seeking you. We have failed to love you with our whole heart, soul, and mind. We have failed to love our neighbors as ourselves. Forgive us for our sins for the sake of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, and grant that from now on we might serve you in newness of life. Amen. And hear the assurance of pardon again from the Psalms. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Amen. Before we move on, a couple quick points I want to make. Um, it's been a strange time, and it's certainly a strange time before worship these last uh, three months. And uh, the first thing I want to do is acknowledge these people up on the stage who have been recording worship and leading us for the last three months. Uh, let's have a hand for Tom and Eli and Claire and Phoebe. You all have done a great job. Thank you. And. Uh, well, several of you have said the video looked like it was just really well and easily done. Um, that is not, in fact, the case. <laughs> the video wouldn't happen at all if it wasn't, first of all, for Frank, who uh, talked me off the ledge several times, and uh, for my son, David, uh, who got a lot of late-night phone calls on, how do I make this work? It's not coming out the way it's supposed to, and he would uh, calm me down and fix it. And so uh, it went through several hands by the time it got to you. And so I need to thank them. Also, uh, I haven't always made the best decisions in my uh, many years here, but one of the good ones was the recommendation uh, to the session that we make Andrea Pogani our church administrator. And uh, nothing would have gotten to you if Andrea didn't make it happen. Uh, and initially, when we didn't really know what we were doing, not that we do now, uh, that meant a lot of late night. She was posting stuff at 10, 11 o'clock on Saturday night by the time we got it all together. And we got better as we went along. Uh, but, and, and she's away. She's on her way to the beach. She's in recovery mode, uh, I think, from us, um, meaning us. Um, please, when you see her, uh, thank her. You know, she put everything together, the worship guides, putting everything on the website. And while we were dealing with all this, we got a new website. She's done a whole ton of stuff, and please thank her. And the last thing I want to say, it means of thanksgiving, is to thank all of you, those of you who are here, those of you who are home. Um, I talk to a lot of pastors, and everybody's hurting financially, and we're not. We could obviously be doing better. You could always do better. 
but there is uh, the, the bulk of this church has been faithful in their giving throughout this strange uh, season. Um, 30% of our giving comes in online, uh, electronically. 40% comes from banks through bank bill pay, and 30% comes through checks. Um, so 70% is sort of just set up and it goes. Uh, and we really encourage you to do that. But uh, between, you know, we have had some drop off, but we did cut the budget early on, and we are actually doing okay. Um, and we're in good shape, and I just want to thank you for that. Uh, we had a lot of worries right at the beginning of how this was going to affect us, and we uh, came through it uh, okay. So thank you uh, for that. It's uh, great to serve a congregation of faithful people. Uh, I mentioned the uh, giving. Uh, we're not going to take an offering uh, right now. Again, the boxes are by the two exits, one back there and one over here on the side. So you have an uh, offering that you need to drop off, just put it in that box when you leave today. And um, also, as normally we would have the children come down, we're not doing that. Well, hopefully we'll be able to start that in a few weeks. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we look forward to getting all that back. Uh, so we're going to stop and um, we're singing the doxology, right? Okay, oh, yes. We're gonna take a picture. Um, mostly because we love you and think this is really cool. But also in case something does happen and somebody does test positive, we wanna be able to come back and say, oh, you are sitting next to them, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, go get tested, uh, something like that. So uh, part of it is because you're great and part of it is because we want you to stay great. So, I just did it, so I hope you smile. Uh, God knows if you're smiling. You have no idea how good this feels to be standing here. I just want to stand here and just look for a while. But that's probably not what we're going to do. So today we're in Psalm 147, Psalm 147. So you'll want to turn there in your Bibles. Uh, you'll want to open your Bible to the middle. You'll either be in the Psalms or Isaiah, usually. If you're in Isaiah, go left. If you're in the Psalms, find 147. And um, that will be great. 
We're going to read the whole psalm. So, as always, this is God's word, so please listen carefully. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your word, and as always, we desperately need it. Thank you for giving us the scriptures and making us your people. You have brought us to this amazing psalm to learn more about why we worship together. We ask you this morning simply to help us understand the what, why, and how of being called to worship. Help us to consider how the person and work of Jesus Christ enables us to praise God. And so we pray, speak through your word this morning, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, help us see Jesus. For in his name we pray, amen and amen. So this year will long be remembered as a year of protests and quarantines. And yet it was only a year ago that hundreds of thousands of Christians and other citizens totally numbering in the millions, began mobilizing in Hong Kong to protest a proposed extradition bill that would greatly expand the authority of the communist-controlled courts of mainland China, giving them more authority over Hong Kong. And as they gathered, social media confirmed a particular song became their rallying cry, their protest anthem, so to speak. It was an old 70s praise chorus called Sing Hallelujah to the Lord. It was written in 1974 for Easter. The song's been beloved now for uh, over four decades. It's notable for its minor key, which makes it easy to sing, and the ease of harmony, especially when sung in a round. And the Christians of Hong Kong have been 
calling on the authorities, and this is still going on, uh, to stop the violence unleashed by police doing crowd control. You can see a number of parallels to our own situation. This song has been the source of both comfort and galvanizing faith. And it's been especially useful as a way to reframe the narrative coming from official state sources. It's hard for them to have reports of organized riots uh, when you have masses of Christians singing, sing hallelujah to the Lord. It projects an image of peaceful protest, and so it's become this unlikely anthem for the protest movement in the streets. Protesters say this worship song has also helped to diffuse tension with the police. It has a calming effect, said Timothy Lamb, a Catholic priest at Grace Church, Hong Kong. The police had a lot of equipment. They were very tense and searching people, and the students sang this to show they were peaceful. One reporter for the Hong Kong Free Press, Jennifer Creary, tweeted that she will never ever get the song Sing Hallelujah to the Lord out of her head. And then there's this emerging story of unbelievers who went to church because for the first time they felt the impact of that song. And so in the end, what started out as a protest anthem ended up helping people consider the original intent of the song, and it became a call to worship. Now, every week we have a call to worship. We just had one. But for the last three months, the call to worship has been repeated in my family room, your living room, a few kitchens, dining rooms, and even a bedroom, all because we've been separated from each other uh, by the pandemic. So hopefully, we've all said the call to worship, but until today, not together and not responsively. For years, we've gathered for worship each week as Potomac Hills Presbyterian Church. And when we do, we move through an order of worship. First, we're called to worship and to praise. And after that, we pray and we confess our sins. And then we listen to the reading and the preaching of God's word, after which we respond in prayer and song and receive his benediction and are dismissed out into the world. Each week, we follow these elements in this order of worship. And we do it every week, week in and week out. And after a while, do we even know what we're doing anymore? When you do something with such regularity, it's easy for it to become rote or routine or taken for granted, and it can become an exercise in going through the motions. Well, it's time to remember why we do what we do. Why do we worship together? Why is that so important? And if we can answer those questions, then we can not only better understand worship, we can more actively and meaningfully uh, take part in worship. So we're taking a quick break from the Gospel of Mark, which we've been studying since last September. But because this is such a unique time where we're finally able to worship together, I just can't get over how excited I am that we're all here, uh, we're gonna take two weeks um, and focus in on two aspects of meeting together, 
uh, worship and community. So this week we're gonna talk about why we worship together, and next week Reverend Wong is gonna look at the family and community and communal aspects of why we gather together. The second thing I wanna say is I'm not gonna go verse by verse like I, I normally do. I will pick out a few verses, but I'm gonna to try to look at the whole from three different perspectives. So we're gonna look at the what, why, and how of being called to corporate worship. And to do that, we're gonna look obviously at Psalm 147. It's one of the great calls to worship in the scriptures. So let's start with what we're called to do. What we're called to do. The command which begins and ends the psalm, and it is a command, is three words in English. Praise the Lord. It's at the beginning of verse 1 and the very end of verse 20. Praise the Lord. That's the call to worship. And it's a command to worship. And actually, it's just one word in Hebrew. And what we're commanded to do is, like all those people in Hong Kong, is to sing hallelujah to the Lord. Praise the Lord. In Hebrew, the one word is hallelujah. That's the word. It has two parts to it. First is the word halal. What does that mean? Well, it means to boast, to glory in something, to be proud of something. Many places in the Psalms, you'll see the, this phrase, my soul makes its boast in, that's what halal is. Some years ago, one writer in New York City was writing about uh, Fashion Week in New York City where they unveil all the new uh, uh, fashion designs for the coming year. And he wrote, and this was fascinating, Fashion Week, the period of ritualized yearning in which people jockey for visibility while hoping that nearness to a runway will purge them of that nagging feeling of soullessness. That nagging feeling of soullessness. What does that even mean? When I first read that, I thought, if you really suffer from that, the nagging feeling of soullessness, why are you going to Fashion Week to overcome that? But they didn't really answer that question. But basically saying that deep down in everybody's heart and our souls, that it's easy to feel that life isn't worth living, that we lack value or significance unless we're connected to something of value and significance. And in this case, a fashion runway. And the point he's making, and actually the point the scriptures make, is that every single person wants to boast to glory in something. You have to ground your own value in something of significance. Now, we could connect it to a runway. I hope not, but obviously lots of people do that, uh, which means to look good or to be with people who look good. We could connect it to money or to achievement or to almost anything else. We might even connect it to the fact that we're not connecting to those things. You know, we're the good people who don't really bother about all those superficial things. You know, we're the decent folk who aren't taken with all that concern about appearance or affluence. But you're still grounding your glory in something. Everybody says, because I'm connected to this, because I've achieved this, because I have this, now I'm important. That's halal to praise, to boast, to glory in something. And everyone does it. But the command is hallelujah, halal yah, 
Hallel Yahweh, Yah is short for Yahweh, praise the Lord. It means to make our souls to boast to glory in Yahweh. Now, Yahweh is the personal name for God that God revealed to Moses back in Exodus at the burning bush when God was entering into a covenant relationship with his people. Now, it's usually translated as Lord with all capital letters, just like it is in our text today. So when you see Lord, small letters, that's different than capital letters. That's translating the name Yahweh, God's personal name. It's the name he gives to the people. It's the name he asks his people to call them, people who know his saving love. And therefore, the call to worship is nothing less than a command for you and me to recognize what our soul is boasting in. It's, it's a command to stop and look at what our soul is clinging to, what we get our significance from, whether that's our credentials or love or money or success or looks or whatever. And it's a call to recognize what the fingers of our soul are holding on to and to pull those fingers off of those earthly things, credentials, love, money, success, and so on, and to ground our glory, our boast, to root our identity, to place your confidence, to put your hope in the Lord. That's what Psalm 147 is all about. That this Lord of the universe who knows the stars by name, <coughs> I think that's an amazing line. I'm not going to get into it today, but it's amazing that the Lord who knows the stars by name knows you. And he loves you. And that's your glory. That's the ultimate boast of your heart. <coughs> Every call to worship is a call to boast, to glory in the Lord. Now, one of the great calls to worship, you've heard this before, comes to us from Jeremiah chapter 9. And there it says, uh, Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love justice and righteousness in the earth for in these things i delight declares the lord that's what hallelujah means that we understand and know the lord who practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness on the earth it's a command it's a call to worship so that's the what next we need to know why why we're called to do it and that comes to us in the second part of verse one it says, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. So why are we called to worship together? Because it's good, because it's pleasant, and because it's fitting to praise him. It's amazing. We should praise God because it fits. Yes, it's a command. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But why? Because it fits. If it's what? If it's God, and it fits you. First, it fits God. The word fitting is a fascinating word. Praise is fitting. And if you have an old 
King James Bible or one of the older uh, language versions of the Bible, it may say praise is comely. That's an old word that means beautiful. That's exactly what the Hebrew means here. It's that, that when he says the song of praise is fitting, it's comely, it's beautiful. And the word used here, fitting, is usually used to describe this a beautiful, glorious faces. If you hear say about another person, that's a very comely person. We don't talk like that much anymore, but we used to. And what it's saying is worship is not just finding God useful, but finding him beautiful. Until you find him beautiful, you're not fully worshiping him. That's throughout the scriptures. One example, Psalm 27. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So what is this all about? Well, if you believe that God's a fact, and there really is a God who created and sustains us, and let's just say you believe that, that's a fact, and if he's a fact, you have to deal with that fact. If you want fair winds in your life, if you want blessing, if you want your prayers answered, you want to go to heaven when you die, you're going to have to deal with him. So what do you do? So you believe in him, you obey him, you pray to him, and you come to worship. Those are things that you do. Why? Because if you do those things with and for him, and those things um, that will make you happy uh, will come to you. And that's sort of the idea but to find God useful is to think of him as a means to an end by which you get the things that make you happy. It's not the same thing as finding God as beautiful. When you find God beautiful, you're recognizing the fact that he's the only thing that will make you happy, whether you get any of those other things or not. To not see him as beautiful, to only see him as useful, isn't fitting. It doesn't fit him. It's not true to who he is. Because he's not just uh, great and big and can do amazing things. He's glorious and loving and gracious and wise and beautiful. Now, every dictionary says pretty much the same thing about beauty. Beauty is a perception. I'm just reading the dictionary a perceptual experience of pleasurable satisfaction that satisfies the mind and the heart on the spot. So let me give you an example. It's the beginning of summer. And you know what? A lot of us are going to spend a lot of money just going and sitting in beautiful places. Some of you will spend a lot of money so you can sit on a porch and look at the ocean. I speak as one of you. And why do you do that? You'll just sit there and you'll just watch and listen and look and maybe you'll drink something and maybe you'll talk to a few people, but you'll spend a lot of money just to look at something beautiful. What will you get out of it? Nothing tangible, but you'll get an experience. Because to see something beautiful, just to sit and look and be in the presence of something beautiful is a pleasurable, satisfying experience of the mind and heart. It's fitting and it's filling and it's nourishing and it's edifying in and of itself. You just love 
being there. You just adore that place. And adoration is another word for praise. And when we adore God, when we praise God, we do it because it fits God. But also, it fits you. It fits you. It's not just fitting to give God praise and to see him not merely as useful, but as beautiful, but it's also something you need. It's the only thing that's fitting for who he is, but it's also something we desperately need. Praising God isn't simply good, it's something we need. Why? Augustine says it somewhat famously in uh, the first chapter, uh, really the first page of his uh, book, The Confessions of St. Augustine. He didn't name it that. We named it that later. Um, he just named it Confessions. And he says, You have formed us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in you. And what that means is we're created to praise God. We're created to see God as beautiful. We're created to worship and praise and adore and serve him. And if we don't do that, something's wrong. So what does that really mean? Well, it means we should, we should never go to God just because he's useful, but more because he's beautiful. And then we learn there's nothing more useful than being beautiful. Once you decide not to worship because he's useful, but to worship him because he's beautiful, just for who he is, you'll find that to be life-changing. So how does that happen? Let me give you another example. There is an English novelist named Iris Murdoch. She's a novelist and a philosopher, but she's not a Christian. Uh, but she says something amazing. She writes, we are anxiety-ridden animals. Our minds are continually active, fabricating and anxious, usually self-preoccupied, often falsifying veil, which partially conceals the world. Now, Augustine and Martin Luther said much the same thing, just using theological language. So if we're anxiety-ridden animals, what are we going to do about it? Well, Iris Murdoch suggests, she says the main thing that gets her out of this experience of anxiety is an experience of beauty. And she writes, I'm looking out my window in an anxious and resentful state of mind, brooding perhaps on some damage done to my prestige. Then suddenly I observe a hovering falcon. A European falcon called a kestrel can stay absolutely stationary far above the ground by turning into a headwind and just hovering there. And it's a beautiful sight. And the beauty of it just overtakes her and she says, in a moment, everything is altered. The brooding self with its hurt vanity has disappeared. There's nothing now but the falcon. And when I return to thinking of the other matter, it seems much less important. She's right. Every single person has this veil of falsification, this selfishness that keeps us thinking about ourselves and our hurts and our perspectives, and it can make us miserable. And what breaks you out of that experience is the experience of beauty. When you're looking at beauty, it lifts you up. When you turn back to that thing that just a few moments ago you thought was so big, but now it looks so much smaller. How much more than a beautiful falcon can your life be changed by the beauty of the Lord? 
Psalm 19 says the sun is beautiful, the sky is beautiful, the seas are beautiful. Why? Because they show us the glory of God. Everything out there that's beautiful is derived beauty. It reflects the beauty of God. God is the source. Everybody else, everything else just has echoes of it, hints of it, shadows of it. What kind of move away from our own self-centeredness can take place if we begin to glimpse the beauty of God. To experience the beauty of God is fitting for us. We need it. We have to have it. So why praise the Lord? Well, first of all, it fits God. Worship is not merely finding God useful, but finding him beautiful. And secondly, it fits us. Beauty gets us out of ourselves and erodes our self-centeredness. We're built to praise God. We need to see his beauty to be healed and whole. So now that we have the what and the why, it's time to get the how we're called to do it. And I hope at this point some of you are, are thinking, well, you know, I guess I do find God to be useful. You know, when I come to wor worship, often I'm just doing it because I feel like I have to. So how do you move from seeing God as useful to seeing God as beautiful? Well, here's how. The rhetorical heart of Psalm 147 comes to us in verses 10 and 11. It's a famous passage which says, His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. And here's what it's about. And in ancient times, and you can picture this, there's nothing more thrilling than to see your own country's army to see rank upon rank of men in armor with muscles bulging, the sun on their spears and swords and helmets and chariots and horses. And you look at your army passing by and you say, everyone is going to have to submit to us now. Everyone's going to have to respect us. Look at our strength. And the whole point of the psalm is God doesn't respond to human strength. And neither should we. He doesn't delight in strength. He doesn't delight in morality. He delights in people who are humble, who fear him, who depend on him, and who hope in his steadfast love. Steadfast love is how we translate the Hebrew word hesed, which is a word for covenant love. It's one of the big words of the Old Testament. It essentially holds the same place in the Old Testament that grace holds in the New. It means unfailing, unconditional love. And it's put on you by God. So it's there forever. It can never fail because it's not based on your strength or our strength. Our strength fails. It's not based on our performance. It's not based on our morality or our achievement. It's based on God's work and his grace. It's unconditional. He says, you must set your hope on my unfailing love, not in your own strength. And when you transfer your hope from your works, your effort, your performance, your strength to his grace, to his steadfast love, that's what turns God from useful to beautiful. So here's how it works. Hebrews 13, 5, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And what God is saying to those upon whom he's put his grace those whose relationship with him is not based on the legs of a man or on the strength of a horse, but on his sovereign grace, on his steadfast love. He says, I will never, ever, ever leave you. 
I will never, ever, ever forsake you. Nobody else can look at you and say that. Nobody else can say, I will never forsake you. Nothing will change my love for you. It will go on forever. Nobody can say that except God. Only God can say that. And only when God does say that is it true. And so why did he say that? Because you think about it, we fail each other. We fail God. Don't we deserve to be forsaken? And the answer is in that little word, forsaken, or forsake, at the very end of Hebrews 13:5, when God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Because it's the exact same word that Jesus uses on the cross in Matthew 27, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How can God be just and never fail us? How can a just God be just and yet look at us sinful people who fail each other and who fail God and still say, I will never, ever, ever fail you? Because on the cross, Christ took the rejection that we deserve. God himself absorbed the penalty for our sins so he can be just and still say, I will never fail you, never, ever. And that's it. That's what turns him from being useful into something beautiful. Jesus was forsaken, so we won't be. To know that the Lord of the universe, who knows the stars by name, will at infinite cost to himself love me and delight in me, there's no greater honor. You can boast in that. You can glory in that. You can gaze on his beauty, and it will change you. Nobody else can say what God can say. And God can say it because Christ died on the cross to give it to you. And that's the key to being able to praise the Lord. And that's why we can worship together. And that's why we can sing hallelujah to the Lord. Think about that. You need to pray. Take a moment to do that and then I'll close. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, thank you that you have given us a king. Help us to see our sin and then see our Savior. We thank you for the gift of praise. And we pray this day that you would fill us with that desire to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to make us men and women of praise. We want people to think Potomac Hills is filled with men and women who love to sing hallelujah to the Lord. Lord, it's easy for us to just come and let these words wash over us. We can come and let these opportunities go right past us without grabbing them and using them. And we ask that every time we gather for worship, you would help us be aware of what we're there to do. We ask you would help us to see your glory and to give you glory. Teach us to respond with a greater praise for you and for your word and for this gospel and draw us ever closer to your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God who is to be praised now and forever. Amen.
So this song that we're going to sing, uh, it doesn't say on the slide, we're going to sing it through twice. And I'd ask that the, the men sing the first part, and the women sing the echo, which is in the parentheses. So sing hallelujah to the Lord. Yes, please <coughs> Hear God's blessing and go back to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. God bless you. It's good to be back. We'll see you next week.